Hi, I'm David Clark, and you're listening to Glory Days of Gold. Lord Provost Warren of Glasgow presents the Scottish League Cup to the side that lasted the course better, all conquering East Fife. As I made my way to that pitch on Wellesley Road To sing my songs for the boys in black and gold I heard the stories about 1938 And I was just a boy I knew I'd have to wait there's broken dreams and what might have been at that stadium by the shore But those glory days of gold might return once more Hello, hello, how do you do? We are the boys from New Bayview and we're back with another episode of Glory Days of Gold, your East Fife and Scottish football podcast. I'm Michael McCall. I'm Aaron Anderson. I'm Andrew Warrender. And I'm Doug Perry. No Lee this week. He's busy with work, but we we felt that we need to get a show out. We haven't we haven't got a show out since the seventh of January and we've got a lot of stuff to talk about on the show. I also wanted to do a show tonight because I don't know if anyone saw my piece that I wrote on AFTN. T- today's a momentous day in East Fife club history because it's the 40th anniversary, January 31st, 1984, of East Fife's epic Scottish Cup win over Hibernian. I-, I guess you guys were all too young to be at that. Yeah. 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 I wasn't born. That great. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of the highlights of my East Fife career, and I think it's all been downhill since then for me, because that was my very first East Fife game. I I messaged you. I I think it was my cousin's first game. Yeah, you missed it. If I'm not mistaken. And uh, yeah, my dad always talked very fondly about that game, for sure. I I genuinely can remember so much about it. I can remember, which I, I think was Tam McCafferty's goal, because I think that was the one that was right in front of me where I was standing. But my, my memory at the end is the guy that took me along, which, look, looking back, I wrote this in the article, it's like, I, I wanted to go to a game, we didn't have a car, my mum went into work and wanted to see if any of the men would take me to a football game. You probably wouldn't do that nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the guy that took me, I just remember him shielding me as bottles came flying over my head when the second goal went in, as the, the Hibs fans did not take that well. But... Yeah, that that was that was an epic night, and after that, I was an East Fife fan through and through, and hardly missed a home game after that. So I thought, been there'll be some negatives in this show. So I thought it'd be nice to start with some positives, and we'll, we'll maybe talk about like what your first East Fife game was, if you can remember, or how you you became to to be a, an East Fife fan. So I'll, I'll go around alphabetically with this also i'll mention as well if you hear a hum in the background i'm sorry they're building a house across the road from me so i'll mute myself as much as possible where i'm not talking but aaron i think you've mentioned this on this show before i think war might have as well but just since we're talking about this can you remember 
what your what your first East Fife game was, or how did you become an East Fife fan? Genuinely can't remember. In fact, no, I can. Uh, my first East Fife game was at home to Man United in nineteen ninety five. Um, I've still got, yep, I've still got the program with all the autographs on it. Um, and genuinely, David Beckham spelled his name wrong. True story. <laughs> oh, that is awesome. I swear to God, people might not believe that, but actually, I've got it as proof. Whenever I tell that story, people seem to think that the, what would that have been, the eight-year-old self wrote that, but genuinely, he spelled his name wrong, he missed out the H. Um, <laughs> he scored twice that day, I remember that. Um, yeah, United one from just, just inside the halfway line. Mm-hmm. And United won 4 now. Was it 5 now? No, it was 4. No, it was 4. Was it? I thought okay. it was 4. I thought it was Fair 4 now. But I remember I ran onto the pitch and obviously I was only 8 and I had a big born goalkeeper Man United and I was absolutely positive it was Peter Schmeichel and it was a guy called Nick Culkin who was the goalkeeper and by the time I got there the pen ran out. So I ran up to him so I ran on the pitch got to him Gave him the pen and he couldn't write it. And he's like, Oh, your pen's running, you need to come get another pen. And then get his autograph. Lo and behold, he mounted to fuck all anyway, so I'm not too good. But um, yeah, that was, was, that my, first... was that Macaulay's brother? <laughs> I was actually saying, I don't know, but that's you take the piss. No, I I've got an autograph on an AFT and fanzine from Alex Ferguson from that game. Because I, I I gave him the fanzine to take in with him. He signed it, and I was like, no, it was for you to have. So then I gave him another one. So I've got a, an AFT and autograph by Alex Ferguson. You said R- Random story. Andrew, what about you? What were, what was your first game, and when when did you become an East Fife fan? Um, my dad took me the first time in the 1980s. I don't distinctly remember the first game as such. Something makes me think it was... Um, a pre-season game and it would have been midweek because my dad worked most Saturdays but over the course of the sort of early 80s we did go I did go with friends and things um, a lot of the time just as a lot of folk did at that time it was a case of pretty much just running about the terrace half watching the game showing a bit of interest when there was something happening but um, just memories of um, the old Bayview under the, the sort of covered terrace area kicking about there banging off the cage um, just having a laugh at the game not necessarily even watching the match I would say my first sort of distinct memory of actually being really enthralled in standing and watching a full 90 minutes at Bayview is probably the Scottish Cup game against Dundee United in 1991 oh, yeah 92 maybe um, yeah that just was... just because from from being a kid pre that going to Bayview and being you know a relatively biggish stadium and relative I mean, bigger crowds than we get now but it was relatively empty just purely based on the size of it and to go from that to, to this occasion where it was having a ticket in your hand for a start which was a novelty <laughs> from memory and and the massive Dundee United away the, the old away end at Bayview being absolutely rammed full, the home end being full, unbelievable atmosphere. Um, to be leading in that game was, you know, when you're sort of 11 years old, you can't believe you're, you're playing a team who you've actually watched in the UEFA Cup final two or three years prior to that on the telly um, and kind of got a bit of a, an understanding of the size of what you were doing at that point. To Dundee United equalise pretty much 94 minutes, I remember. And, and I remember, and yeah. I always remember their fans 
jumping on the pie hut at the away end and, and us walking back down the leaving and they had their scarfs out the windows and beating their horns. And then, to be fair, East Fife, to go up to Dundee in the midweek, having, I can't remember what happened with the strips, they forget the strips, or there was a mix-up with the strips, which basically meant East Fife were wearing, effectively, Brazil strips at Paradise. Yeah. Um, and to go 1-0 up in that game and then for United to win that in extra time with Duncan Ferguson scoring the winner. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, I think that was the year United got to the, the final against Motherwell. Motherwell won it. Um, and I always remember looking at the draw all the way through, as you do as a small boy, and I suppose you still do, to be fair, and thinking, well, we've lost to Dundee United, who we should have beaten. And then the the team, the subsequent teams that United played, in my mind, were of a lesser standard than Dundee United. So I always, for years, believed we should have won the cup that year. So that was probably my first real distinct memory of, of if you like, being hooked. Um, and it's just a shame of my day. Many Scottish Cup games like that since. Well, there's been one oh, or two, but um, so, so that's probably my main, my first main memory. But I do have earlier memories of, I guess, kicking that's, about at Bayview. Yeah, yeah I, I remember that game so well as well. I worked at the DSS in Kirkcaldy, and I always got the piss taken out of me for being a Nice Fife fan. But the Monday after that game, everyone was like, "Oh, you guys were so unlucky!" And oh, I was listening on the radio. I couldn't believe what had happened. And it kind of changed folks' opinions of, of the club, but yeah, that that was that was some game. Doug, I was going to say you that you've probably got the oldest memory apart from me, but I, actually, War might. I can't believe that War's as old as he is. Yeah, very I'm important. Not... I, I'm just a pup compared to Andrew. Yeah, Andrew is almost <laughs> a year older than me. Andrew would have been the oldest in our year, roughly, at school. One, one of. Uh, and best, look, uh, and best I, looking. And best looking. Thank you. Well, and the, maybe, the one that's kept the most now. hair by the looks of it. Yeah, <laughs> maybe best looking now. Um, I, and I was like the youngest of the year. So, um, I, yeah, my, my bizarrely, it's, it's cup. And again, I've said it on this before, how important is cup football and memories and all that stuff. All the games you talk about generally are either cups or derbies. Yeah. Um, so it's just again, it shows the, the such disappointment when you have you know results like we have in recent years in the cups. Um, I think my first game, I'm not 100 percent sure. Bizarrely, was Stranraer away in the Scottish Cup, and it might have actually, it might have actually been that same year. I'm wondering if that United game we played in a first or second round before, or it might be the year before, but roughly that. Uh, my dad and his cronies used to have their Scottish Cup games where they would have, you know, a bite to eat and predictions and all. There was a chairman and all that crap. Um, and I just remember, yeah, we, we won 2 1, I think. Well, yeah, we did. Um, and it was obviously fucking miles away. <laughs> but yeah, I loved it. And then I, probably my first proper, proper memory of game would be that Dungeon Night game. Um, for very much the same reasons as Andrew said, it was uh, it was pretty early on to be devastated. <laughs> like it's such a I, and I, I said on this, but I didn't go at the replay because I thought we'd get hammered, and my ten year old self couldn't handle that, so I didn't go, and I should have because it was good. Yeah, I think the strip thing was we'd taken our home kit only, and because they were orange and black, and we were. Uh, I don't know what colours we are anymore. Um, <laughs> it, it clashed a bit, so we had to. We picked up like a. It was a Dundee Junior team or something. Strips on the way. Oh wow! Yeah. I I I found a Scottish Cup 
away game, Stranraer, 1989, 7th of January, 1989, a 2-1 defeat. Was that a 2-1 defeat? Yeah, that would be the game then, yeah. I remember it was 2-1. First round that year, we played Spartans, but that was the home game against Spartans. So yeah, that must have been it, 7th of January, 1989. I think it would be Spartans then, did we? Yeah, 4-1. Well, how times have changed. I know, (laughs) it's kind of very very fitting. (laughs) Is that before Spartans put a the in front? Yeah, they were just Spartans. Is there, I was thinking about it yesterday. Is there any other team, obvious ones in football, who have a the at the start of their name? Ooh. I know technically the Rangers, but we'll move on from that. Yeah, that's a that's a good. Yeah, I don't know. I can't think of anyone. No, it's a bizarre. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, that TNS, one, were TNS the new saints? <laughs> no, total network solution. Yeah, but then they became the new saints. Yeah, so they are the new saints. Yeah, that's true. Good check. Yeah, Thank you. well done. And again, obviously ties in with his wife. And cups. Anyway. Cups. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, cup football. This, this is why I hate the, the teams nowadays just undervaluing cup competitions because so many... I mean, any game that wins your championship or promotion, you're going to obviously remember those games. But everything else, for me, my best memories, highs and lows are cups. Because it's like that Dundee United game, giving that goal up, that that was a low and a high. Um, Hebs game, that Rangers game in in 86 in the Skull Cup, where we took Sunnis' side to penalties. That Aberdeen game a few years ago. Then you've got the recent lows of losing to any team that begins with B. Just any team, really, I guess, is our Scottish Cup record these days. Over here, I, I've got a high of my my little team that I'm a part of, pulling out off a big cup upset last year in the Canadian Championship. I also remember losing the Canadian Championship with the Whitecaps to a stoppage time wonder goal that... Everyone was celebrating because it was the final kick of the game. We thought we'd won. And then silence. So cup games are great. I, I, watched, the, I watched the Maidstone game. I was just a way to say Maidstone. Against Ipswich. And it was, it was fantastic. Just oh. the stats in that game were superb. Two like shots. seven shots to two. And they won yeah, two one. Not even two shots on target. Just two shots. Yeah. <laughs> and they both end I up mean, in the they, back of the net. They had a guy. The guy fell fell from the top tier, rolled down the tarpaulin bit and fell into the bottom tier of the stand. Oh, I never saw that. And then the worst bit for them is I hated it online because they showed the video of the fans and players when the draw was being made. And I think they missed Man City by one, so they were like, oh, and then, oh, and then it was Sheffield Wednesday, Coventry, and they all kind of just went, oh, and the amount of fans on Twitter going like, like, who do they think they are? Like, I said, well, that is a, Probably the worst draw they could have got. Almost. Yeah, I mean, they, they, they've got a chance of winning it, but it's like realistically, they're going to get beat and they're going to lose to a shit team and they're not going to have their big day out. Yeah, I, I felt quite sorry for them, I must say. Yeah, I, it, it was fantastic watching that because I, I avoided the result, got up, watched the game because I had been on live here and it was just, it was so good and... Yeah, a team that playing black and gold, doing well in the cup. So we thought we'd, we'd start off with some happy chat, because 
the rest of this probably isn't going to be so good. We'll get into East Fife's January 2024, and we'll be back with that after we hear a little bit from this episode's sponsor. May's Mortgages are Fife-based mortgage and protection specialists. Our aim is to provide our clients with high-quality, personal and friendly service. Our advisors have over 25 years of industry experience and have an outstanding record for sourcing our clients the products that suit their needs. Where we're different though, unlike many other brokers, from start to finish, we won't charge you a penny. Contact us via Facebook to find out more. So thanks as always to Maze Mortgages for their continued support of the podcast. They support us, they support East Fife. Go and support them for all your mortgage and mortgage-related needs. So let's get into it. The last show I entitled that we were unbeaten for the year. And it was a great start and we, we kept that unbeaten record going until last night. I'm thinking about maybe calling this the, the Blair Witch Project because Blair Henderson turned in a horror show against... East Fife last night for the Spartans. But we'll talk a bit about that game. We'll talk a little bit about the games before, but we won't delve into them because they're in the past now and folks' memories might not even remember what happened in them. But the last game, like the last show came out on January 7th. So since then, got the results up here. We had just come off a 2 1 win against Dumbarton away. Feeling good about it. One all draw at home to Clyde. Felt could have been better there. A good two all draw in many ways against Peterhead. And then going to Stranraer, coming away with the 1-0 win. We've, we've been there before. I thought we'd maybe turn the corner. Greg's impassioned plea on the podcast and saying what he was doing, turning the team around. I, I, was, a, I was a bit hopeful for it, Doug. But the wheels maybe came off last night. Was this just a case we got results against three teams? I know Peterhead sitting second, but they were hitting a dodgy spell. Was this just another case of results against teams that just weren't that good? Um, it's difficult because I think I think to be fair, in a couple of the games we um, we were we were down to bare bones a bit, and I think there was. You know, people playing out of positions, and and we scrape points, which is which is fine. I, I, the only thing with the Peterhead game is obviously we were two 0 up at home and and threw away the lead. But um, yeah, I don't know if we've, if we ever turned a corner really. But as I said, I mean, it was there was some fight there, and there was some you know semi decent performances. Um, you know, which obviously kind of took a backwards step last night. So no, I wouldn't say it was all doom and gloom and although there was a lot said about the undefeated part it probably could have been better I mean certainly the Clyde game I thought was very disappointing I thought again we were struggling we ended up with Ryan Schiavone playing right back for 45 minutes but I just it was just such a nothing performance really and I thought they were a better team than us for sure but yeah I, I wouldn't say it was um, I would be ho-hum about the whole thing really mm. Clyde's a puzzle just now because like we keep saying, oh, they're, they're going to come good. They're going to start making a, a run. Ian McCall's not going to have gone there and not done deals and turned the corner. I mean, we've been saying this for weeks and they're languishing adrift and it's like time is running out drastically for them. 
if they're a team that go down, that's the that's the biggest one yet that is going to fall out of the league. But we'll come to that in a sec. Aaron, did you feel these results had kind of seen us turn a little bit of a corner, especially because we were down to bare bones, the sickness that's gone through the club, getting those points on the board, rising the table? Realistically, having a chance to maybe put ourselves in the playoff picture, depending on how things went uh, against the, the likes of Spartans, were you, were you confident we could maybe push on a little bit this year? Nah, nah, not not really. To be honest, I think we are where we are. No, no, you, you've asked the question. I think no, no. I, I, I think where we are is probably just about right. Um, I think the Spartans game showed a golfing class. I don't really care what Greg says about it being even, etc. But I thought last night we were in it until we made the mistake, and then again, I, I'm sick and tired of hearing this nonsense about the first goal is crucial in this league. Do something about it. Like, do something about it. You know, we were two up against Peterhead. We didn't win that. We, could, we scored the first two goals there with Drew. Um, but we scored first against Clyde with Drew. You know, so, so we've scored first in games we've not always won. So this first goal nonsense needs to stop and it needs to start taking a bit of responsibility for me. Um, the reason I say I don't think we've turned a corner is because... The Clyde one was actually the biggest disappointment for me. Um, and I think the results since then kind of prove that because they've not turned the corner that everybody predicted, everybody thought because yeah. they've been signed seven players or whatever it was, they've not went on this charge. They've not went on a run. Um, and in hindsight, they were the better side that day. You know, They, they were better than us. And we dropped deeper and deeper and resorted to the usual long ball of fash it was aimless it was just completely aimless and we didn't look like scoring we didn't look like winning it if anybody was going to nick a winner it was Clyde and they probably should have nicked something towards then I think the boy Connor Young who was at us last year went round flame and has put it across the face of the goal for a tight angle with about five to go Clyde should have beat us Clyde were better than us that day um, and that's majorly concerning because they are rooted especially after last night's result to Elgin the Peterhead one, again, I don't know. I don't know if it's a fitness thing. I don't know if it's a fitness thing, but we drop and drop and drop, and we done it again last night. We'll start quite high against teams, but then we drop deeper and deeper all the time. Um, and the goal from Peterhead, that it was coming. It, it, it was coming, regardless of what people say about the referee and adding time on and that's bollocks. That goal was coming. Um, and we we dropped deep we dropped deep and we invited them onto us and last night I know we'll go into that but the first 35 minutes we were alright I thought we were quite compact compact while still having a fairly high line but then the last 10 minutes the first half we just dropped we just completely dropped and fast became isolated yet again so my concern without being too damning here is if you watch East 5 play go Anybody watch us play, tell us what we're trying to do. Like, apart from a long ball to fast, what do we try to do? How do we try to hurt the opposition? We're not doing anything. We're, we're surviving because there are teams that are worse than us. One being Stranraer, who were hopeless against us, and we won one now. Um, so, yeah, I, 
I'm sorry, that's really, really negative, but I'm just calling a spade a spade. No, I mean, that, that's fair. And a, a wise man said to me last night, well, it, it was Doug, but Spartans play the kind of football that Greg McDonald thinks that we're playing, but we're not. And yeah, there were spells last night. We, we were the better team to start with, for sure. And then there was just a point in the game where Spartans became the better team, looked the most likely and felt camped in our half at times. And yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll come to that in a sec. But Andrew, I, from watching in from afar, sometimes you don't get the full feel of it, but we had fast scoring three games in a row. We were picking the points up. We were slowly climbing the table. And it, it was probably like heart overruling the head because... We weren't playing some good stuff and we were giving the goals up. I, I think I just hoped more than anything that we had maybe turned a corner and that we were going to have something to play for for the rest of the season. But it, it's looking like I, I don't think we need... I, I know Lee disagrees because we're chatting about this and he had kind of mentioned this on Twitter as well. I know we can't stop looking over our shoulder but we should be fairly comfortable now not to worry with that amount of teams underneath us to be drawn into that relegation dogfight just yet. It's it's hard to sell the rest of this season because you're probably battling for fifth, sixth. Yeah. <clears throat> um, on the form, I guess we all obviously wanted it to be correct. I obviously wasn't on the show when Greg was on, but I'm aware that he'd obviously make reference to the fact that last season we kind of turned the corner a wee bit and obviously made a charge to the playoffs in the second half of the year. And I guess there's obviously, uh, as you say, your heart wants that to be the case. And, and although performances haven't been great, the results from the last sort of five weeks or thereabouts have been our peak form for the season, which is pretty sad in itself, but but it's true. So I guess it's natural that you you want and hope that to happen, but the performances haven't backed that up. Um, as for the, the league position, I think we can absolutely forget anything higher than fifth. I don't see us getting anywhere near that. Um, if I was to say to somebody, do you think Elgin are in a scrap for potentially going down if Clyde get their act together? I think the answer to that would probably, would probably be yes. The, the fact of the matter is Elgin are four points behind us with a game in hand and we play them on Saturday. Mm. So I think if anybody thinks that, or if anybody takes it, has read that we're in fifth and therefore there are four teams below us, sorry, five teams below us, do the maths, um, five teams below us and therefore we're okay on that basis. I think that's really, really worrying because the, the worst thing you can possibly do is be complacent. I mean, it just takes a couple of teams to get a couple of results and, a, and then all of a sudden, if you're going to that last round of fixtures and you're a point, two points, even three points within the drop zone, very, very easy to get sucked into that. If a team gets momentum, you're going to go the other way. Um, so for me, we are very much in a survival battle still. As I say, Elgin beat us on Saturday. They go to within a point of us with a game in hand. Um, and it's quite simple. If you ask somebody, would you think Elgin are more sure going down? The answer would probably be yes for most people. I do get it that Strinrar for for Elgin and Clyde thus far have been poor. But it's really, in my opinion, sad as much as anything else that our season and hopes seem to be, be based around being less than these other teams <laughs> um, yeah. which seems to be 
the main objective, which which to me is totally, totally unacceptable. And 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 if you as a club kind of have that as your benchmark, there's only one way you're going to go, and that's not up the way, unfortunately. Yeah, I I mentioned this to to Doug last night, and I was talking to someone about this today as well. The next two years feel massive for the club in every aspect, on the pitch, off the pitch, the potential takeover. We've lost a lot of hardcore fans in the last couple of years that have sadly passed away. Are you getting the new blood in the stands? Are you getting the new blood in the boardroom that we need? New money invested in the club, is that going to be there? And the reason I say the next two years are crucial is you see all these teams that's come up from the lower leagues and they're all above us now in the standings. Every single one of them has gone up. And I know some of them has been bankrolled. Some of the white knights have kind of turned out to be more like flyby knights and nightmares. But look at the Darville situation that you've got John Gall walking away from that. What's going to happen to them? Stuff like that. East Kilbride look to be bankrolled. They're going to want to come up, if not this year, next year. Brecon, one by one, the teams that don't show ambition, don't have the money, don't have it right in every aspect, they're going to get picked off. And they have been picked off. And if Clyde were the team to go down this year, that maybe gives us a little bit extra time because you can't imagine Elgin holding on too much more longer but maybe they can but if Clyde don't go down this year you imagine they're then going to just continue their upward trend so we have to start turning things around in the next couple of years or we're just going to get lower and lower we're going to get picked off if they eventually reboot Scottish football the way that I feel they should and there's automatic relegation or maybe two teams go down we're going to be well and truly fucked so the next two years are, are massive, Doug, and do you have the confidence just now that we can be a team that can turn things around and start to go on an upward trajectory? Very tough word to say. I thought you nailed that one. I, know, I, 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 I don't know that I quite did. <laughs> I have to use that in golf quite a lot. It's a, it's a nasty one. Um, no, is the basic answer. Um, right now, do I have confidence that we'll Absolutely not. I have no confidence in the board. I have no confidence in the manager. I don't want to go to games at home. Baby is shit. The atmosphere is terrible. Um, it's it's. I've, I won't mention the price, but eighteen pounds um, <laughs> is is fucking scandalous. Uh, no, I, I have no absolutely zero confidence. I've none at all. We've added a couple of directors. I know Stephen, who's obviously a big big East Fife fan, is in. What it does mean is. He's now going to be partly responsible for what's going on on the pitch. So that's maybe more for him, but fair enough. Um, I just think, no, we need, we need massive changes all over the place. I, you know, I I didn't manage to take in the um, meeting on Monday. I don't know if anyone was able to, so I don't know how the no. progress is with the, the buyout and whatnot. But I haven't had uh, the minutes for it yet either. The, the feedback from those that have attended has been positive and that things could be close. But that's just that's just phase one. It's then yeah. phase two where you have to have day-to-day costs and money to run the club. But not just run it to keep it afloat and keep the lights on, but to make inroads and move up the table against clubs that are being bankrolled by local people. 
I mean, I think that's the thing. Look, we've, we've, we've mentioned it so many times on this about, you know, where we're at, what people think need to be done. The bottom line is we've got nobody with money. And while you've got nobody with money, what can we do, really? You know? Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm, to coin a proper Scottish word, I'm very, very scunnered with East Fife right now, for sure. That is the exact word I used in a chat I had with someone this morning. <laughs> and they wouldn't know what that means, I'm assuming. Oh, no, it was about East Fife. It was with, <laughs> it was with a fellow fan. Um, oh, yeah, no, I use that word here. No one's got any idea. As I find out regularly with things, photo message me going, you said this, like cock-a-hoop I've used a lot, which folk now know because I've used it so much. But when I first used that, the guy that did do the podcast with here, he's like, what? <laughs> so I do commentary here and I throw phrases in like, oh, swings and roundabouts or stuff. And the guy I'm doing commentary with is like looking at me like, what the fuck are you talking about? Swings and roundabouts. Um, like, Aaron, like you guys won't have heard this because you were all at the game last night. So I was listening to the stream. So at the end of it, I think when the third goal went in, might have been the second, but I think it was the third. Daniel's like, well, that's the season over now. There, there's nothing really to play for. Which is A, damning, because it's not even the end of January. It's also not the message that you kind of need to have people thinking because we need money through the turnstiles. And you hope the players aren't thinking that way as well. Of like, oh, well, it's just mediocre now. But like, are you confident for what the next couple of years hold in store for the club? Um, on the way things are today, absolutely not. Absolutely not. There's, there's no ambition. There's no plan on the pitch or off the pitch. Obviously, we all hope that changes. Um, but I've said before, I'm yet to be convinced on what the change looks like. It's really reassuring to hear that some sort of change is close. But that's the easy bit. Mm. That, that's the easy bit. The hard bit is, like you said, the day-to-day running, the putting the strategy in place, the implementing it, not just sustainability, but profitability moving forward. Um, putting a structure in place as well, from the boardroom right the way down to the pitch. They're not easy. They, that, that's tough. That's tough. Having an identity, what, what is the identity going to be? You know, What is the model going to be? These are all big-hearted questions. And by the way, they've maybe got the answers, the supporters group, and I really hope they do. Um, because I'll back it because I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a fan and I want to see it succeed and I want to see us go forward from where we currently are but what concerns me and, and you know fuck it I'm just going to say it but like what concerns me is the lack of standards that's what concerns me the most like what we need to remember here is that people will say well Greg's got until the summer Right now, again, I, I got on real well with Greg. I'd done the 20s gig for a wee bit, spoke to him, and he was genuinely, he, he was all right. right. He was all right, and and I got on okay with him. But if we're talking about the club, clubs around us are discussing contracts with players for the summer already. Players are identifying targets for the summer now. Um, transfer plans for the summer are being made up now. So where is the forward thinking? Because are we saying that the standard we are seeing week in, week out on the pitch is acceptable right now? It's not. It's really not. Um, 
And if we don't start to clarify what our standards are and start to try and improve them, we're going to get sucked in big time to this dogfight at the near, at the bottom of the table. And that could still happen this season. It could happen next season, which I think it probably will if there's no change. So what I'm trying to say is, do you give Greg and do you trust Greg with a pot of money, if there isn't even a pot of money, to revamp this squad based upon the transfers that he's previously brought in to take us up a level and close the gap to the playoffs in the summer? Like, Do people actually think right that's the right step forward? Because if it's not, and people who are volunteering at East 5 TV are saying the season's over, then you change it now. You change it now and you get somebody in who can build for that and can identify those targets now um, and start to make progress towards rebuilding the squad because the squad's not... I, I just don't think it's, it should be better than what it is. It should be better than what it is. Yeah. It's not. It's not. The harsh reality is we are where we are and we deserve to be where we are. So, yeah, again, I, I, I know I've been quite negative tonight so far and I, I genuinely don't mean it, but I, I'm just being honest with what my thoughts are. Well, it's interesting because I'd said to, to Lee, oh, we'll try and not be uh, so negative in this show so you get it in the neck like you did after our last show that he wasn't on. But it's just, it's just how we're feeling. It's like from our heart and it's like, there's no point like covering it up. Like the recent results in some ways papered over the cracks a little bit that we knew were there. And it's like we might have been just hoping, yeah, maybe that we can push on. I mean, Andrew, the, the worrying thing when you looked at this transfer window was day by day, week by week, you're seeing all these other clubs bringing players in. And like Aaron talked to there about, do you trust Greg with a pot of money? There's clearly not a pot of money. And we are relying on loan signings. And Greg did kind of say, don't expect us to do much till the end of the window. And that has been how it's played out. But I mean, the Spartans game, so we'll kind of start to get it now. That showed just how far behind we are in so many ways. Greg's come out afterwards and said he felt we were very much in it and it was a close game. In, in some ways, we were in the first half. Then it was like Christmas gift-given because every single goal, and it's not for the first time of late, it was all because of gifts that we'd, we'd given away. And you look at that and you have to look beyond Greg and you have to point fingers at the the players as well and it's like some of those goals were unacceptable. The, fir the first one an overhead back pass header that was clearly going for Easton and just had too much on it Henderson nips in, tucks it away the second one I hadn't fully appreciated last night how fucking awful that was. We're on the attack, we miscontrol a pass, four Spartans passes later it's in the back of the net, from a guy that's run into the edge of the box, unmarked, open, buries it. And the third goal, nice ball over the top, and we've got three defenders that's like, what? And are too slow to react. And that, in a nutshell, is everything that's gone wrong with the team this year. We're, we're, yeah, you can talk about it's been close. We've lost the first goal. We shot ourselves in the foot. But things need to get better. And it takes so long for us to make changes when we see that changes are being made. 
and like we were chatting amongst ourselves in the, the group after the game a- any of those front players apart from Fashi could have taken off last night because none of them were performing and it went throughout the rest of the pitch as well yeah um, <clears throat> that's quite a lot to take in there Mike thanks um, I guess sorry first, I just first, went, went uh, off on one there it was meant to be a short no, no. question no you're okay um, I guess just to go back to a wee build on what Aaron said there just a minute ago before before you had your, your wee rant there Mike um, I think as a football fan in general I think you'll you'll always be forgiven or understanding if you can see progress in your club or attempted progress now I don't care how blinkered or tinted specs wearing you wish to be. No one can can possibly argue with a sane mind that you can see that at East Fife at the moment. Um, to be brutally honest, if you go back to, I mean, I could I basically trace it back to COVID and how we responded as a club from there. We have nosedived, and that is the correct term, nosedive. When I, when I talk about progress, now, obviously nobody can continue to win leagues and win leagues and win leagues. That's not what I mean by progress. I mean just moving in the right direction as a simple, a simple, hopeful, um, something you would expect to do, or at least show signs that there's a plan there or a project or, or encouragement that that's the way it's going. But for us, it's the opposite of that. We are going step back, step back, step back, step back. And there seems to be various levels within the club I'll use the phrase burying your head in the sand about it and hoping that it's going to get better. Um, part of me wonders if, as for the takeover as I am, as long as it's the right and correct and viable thing to do, I wonder if, and I'm not criticising people on the board, because anyone who volunteers their time and, and obviously have the club at, at heart, all kudos to them. I'm not criticising them personally, but I do wonder if human nature kicks in and you think, OK, I might not be here in a wee while, so... Why would I come up with a plan or, or why would we really look to drive things on? Just because it's human nature to switch off if effectively you think you might be in inverted commas out of a job. Um, and that's not a, crit- a personal criticism on anyone at all. Um, that's just a, an observation. But to your point about the next couple of years, I think the, the danger is, as we have seen, if we make the equivalent backward steps as we have made over the last two years, there's absolutely no doubt whatsoever we will be in the Holland League in two years. I think the point Doug made around about finances is correct. If you don't have them, it's very, very difficult. And then to build on what Aaron said is, do you trust the manager with the budget if there is a budget? Well, there obviously is a budget. There's obviously not a pot of money, but there is a budget. Mm, And that is why it is massively crucial that that budget is used as wisely as possible. You can't afford to make mistakes. You can't afford to take a part in somebody that doesn't work out. Um, and that, to me, is why we need someone different in the door. And that's, to me, why that needs to be sooner rather than later. Um, so that's to box that off. Yeah. <laughs> Until last well, night, I mean, um, Greg's contract's sorry. up in the summer. Yeah. And it's like, as if Aaron says, if clubs are already making plans for next season, if we're going to make a change, we need to know who that change is. And they need to start like working the phones, working their contacts now. The absolute I think, bottom, I think... so Andrew, can I say the absolute bottom line is if the board give them another contract, they're happy with us being a mid table yeah. league two team. Because he's had he's had a fair shot now. He's finished fourth, you know, with a late run and fifth sixth, hopefully, this year. Um yeah. that can't be as a board of directors, you cannot sit there and go, 
yeah, I'm okay with that. There's another contract, go again. Because the, there is no progression. And it's easy saying, do you trust the manager? I, I totally agree with Andrew. Everything the board do work-wise, God bless them, you know, you know, the hard work is undeniable and good on them for taking that responsibility. But I don't trust them to make the right decisions because they're not making the right decisions. So who goes? It's easy to say the manager, which I, which I agree because the style of football is crap and we're not going anywhere. But then, you know, it's it can't be just his responsibility. Why has nobody reacted to what the fans are feeling? Like last night was our lowest crowd of the season. Yeah. I didn't. And, and I didn't it, see what it was. What what was the crowd? Three nine two. It it sounded like on the stream. It sounded like so quiet. You you could hear yeah. all the shouts. Yeah, the, the young the young That's lads with the drum the drum and things weren't there either last night, which is a worry when you're kind of turning off the the young team as well as in the future. Um, but Aaron hit the nail on the head when he said standards. If if you look at it today, Barry Robson's lost his job. Why has he lost his job? Because they're getting Aberdeen to a cup final this year and doing well in Europe. No, because they're eighth in the Premier League and that's not the standards and expectation. Jack Ross went into Dundee United and had about a month. They got papped by Altmar and Celtic, put eight or nine past them, I think it was. The reason they sacked him after that quicker time frame is because they said, as a, our football club, that is not an acceptable standard. Um, so what we are saying by continuing to back our manager is that fifth in League One with on the, the evidence presented before us that we're not going to improve on that is that that is acceptable. And if, if also if our model is young players and progressing them, we're not because Jack Healy, Brogan Walls and uh, Liam Newton, for me, are not better players than they were a year ago. Jack's a lot worse than he was a year ago. Brogan, although shows lovely touches, has one assist in the number 10 role, which is pretty poor and aren't just aren't progressing so if if greg can't progress them and that's our mantle then you know who cares if he's got a background in you know teaching kids at hearts account or wherever it parks you know who cares you're, you're clearly not doing it there like jack jack's fall from grace is quite dramatic i would say i mean i'm not saying he was a world beater last year but there was you would genuinely set up a wee bit when he got the ball now he's an absolute shadow of him. I mean, a, no confidence whatsoever. It just looks like a like shouldn't be playing for a start. So it's like if he's not progressing these young kids, and that's what our ethos is, he has to go. Surely. I I think. I think no, sorry, sorry. Where, where you that, go, Aaron. That's the point, right? Is that this is all coming from it stems this whole scene on Andrew hitting on the head afterwards. It's a lack of standards. Right, your identity, your whole thing is about well, we don't have much money, so what we'll do is we're putting this community program in place, which is bringing kids through from a really young age right the way through the 20s. Hopefully, they come into the first team, you develop them, you sell them, you get some money, you reinvest, and you go again. And that's the whole point of it. Last summer, for me, Brogan Walls and Jack Keeley could have made a step up. What's now interesting is what clubs this summer are going to look at those lads and think, I'll take them. Because they ain't going it. The same clubs that are looking at Jack Keeley, he was rumoured to go to Arbroath last summer. That was a rumour. Arbroath are going to be nowhere near him now. Nowhere near him. And that's because he's regressed. All right? And what what is the most worrying thing in all of this is that all the fans can see it. All the fans can talk about it. 
but the manager's not seen it and the board aren't seen it. So the decision makers at the club are not seeing the most basic and most observant of things that are so obvious to the eye. And until they start getting their finger out and people start making some brutal decisions and being nasty bastards about stuff and actually making decisions, the club is going to continue to drop. It's because the clubs that are coming up, as you've alluded to, they're better than us. You know, Spartans, better than us. It's when, when clubs start going stale, that's when you've got a problem. When you're when you're diehard fans, and I, I wouldn't even class myself as an absolute diehard fan, but I've I've got little interest in going. Like genuinely, it's not uh, there's nothing to massively go for. You know, we've not. But like, why why would you go watch his fife right now? As our commentary team said, there's nothing to play for. Do you know what I mean? It's like it's not. If it was exciting football and. You know, we, we've said it before, Andrew, when you were on, we talked about the Stevie Crawford era, which was just mayhem. It was 4-3 every game. I, I would go with that. At least it's entertaining. It's There's nothing entertaining at the moment. But he's got, but the thing is, Greg, Greg goes to an interview, right, last night. Okay, maybe the board do, because I'm not privy to this, right? But Greg goes to an interview last night, he says, that, again, the first goal is crucial. Is anybody on the board pulling them for that and saying, well, actually, that's, that's not totally true because we've scored first in a lot of games and no went on to win. Is anybody pulling them for that? Because I don't think they are. So, but, but is the first goal crucial because he knows his squad haven't got the fight to come back as soon as they go down? Or are we going to change something when we go 1-0 down to keep us in the game? Well, yeah, and then there's a lot of questions around that as well. You know, it's poor. It's fucking poor. It's simple as I that. Think- I think in world football, the first goal is very important. That's kind yes. of it, it's a very that's a very obvious thing to say. I don't think it's specifically important in Scottish League Two as it would be in the Championship or English League One. I, I, I don't I, I don't think statistics. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe we've got statistical gurus who've been going. I tell you what, in this division, if you don't get the first, goal, you might as well walk off. And be done with it. <laughs> but, but, but see, but, see if I'm a player though. See if I'm a player, right? And my manager, because that's about the fourth time he said it. If I'm a player and my manager says that, how do you think I feel when we go one goal down? Like, what, 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 what's in my head? You know, like, yeah. wait, how's that motivating? How's that inspiring? It's pish. It's fucking pish. And they need to start doing something about it. It's as simple as that. The, there's been rumours as well that. Like a player like Brogan might be moving on as well, which you'd imagine isn't going to be for a lot of money. So, no, look, I, I think Brogan's potentially very good footballer. There's no doubt, absolutely no doubt about that. I, I just think, and I think in a better team, he'd be a much better player, no doubt about it. Because, you know, I don't think he absolutely shines enough for us, but he, I would still rather he was playing than not for definite. But. Yeah, I think, I think the likes of Brogan and, and a few of the guys suffer because we're, and, and take this as across the club, we're too nice. We've got a board to think it's nice to be friends with the manager and don't realise that their duty is actually to serve the best interests of East Fife Football Club and therefore they won't punt them. We've got a manager who's a nice guy, but we've got guys on the pitch who are too nice. And by that, I mean, who... Where's our spine of the team that's got a right nasty hard man in it? Mm-hmm. Um, and if we 
And, and to me, that's the kind of player we're crying out for because that would allow somebody like Brogan and Jack maybe to kick on. But what's happening is they're getting drawn more into the dirty side of the game, which isn't their strengths as players. Um, but if you've got somebody taking care of that to actually maybe free up some space or occupy that battle, as it were, which, let's be honest, League Two is probably more of, you're going to come out on top more often than not if you're a battler than a footballer, sadly. But that's a reality. And we but are more, missing, more, I think, do you not think Do you not think... Kieran Miller is that my he's been very good recently and him missing yeah. last night I thought was a big yeah. hole because even in yeah. the like Sonora games and stuff he, he just gets stuck in which we, do, we don't yeah. really have but I, I, I look and again I'm, I'm not picking out anybody individually says about the name someday but the likes of Troughton for example he's, he, he does bring a bit to that role that he plays but would you rather have somebody like Alan Troughton who's maybe nice the nice things to do at times in there or somebody who's going to smash into somebody, wipe a few boys out, take a few hard tackles to make space for the other boys to go and play who can play. And I think there's a lot of that that, that we're, we're just a bit powder puff on the pitch at times as well. And that to me was is something that I feel we maybe need in there. But I don't know what you guys think. Yeah, no, we like we've we've needed that kind of midfield hardman for like seasons now. There's a player I'd like to get Aaron's thought on Gregor Nickel. So he came on last night, got about 15 minutes. He hasn't featured much. He's been on the bench, didn't come on. I, I had a fan get in touch and say, can you talk about what you think about, should they be giving him a run in the team to see if he's got what it takes now? Can't be any worse, surely, than, than what we've got already out there. It's a fair question because I don't think anybody could honestly say, like, in games we know how good Gregor Nickel is because he's never been given a chance. And like you've just alluded to, wouldn't he be any worse than what Jack's producing at the moment? No, he wouldn't be any worse. So why not try him out? But Brendan, you've got young Brendan Rams. I'm telling you, Brendan's a very, very good football player. And I know he's, you know, physically a little bit smaller. I get it. But Gregor Nickel's not a giant either. He's not a giant either. You know, so you've got a couple of options there that you can look at. Because what's happening is there are some players who are continuing to play every week despite them not putting up performance in every week and they feel like they're undroppable. So why not give some of these guys a chance? Um, Jane, I, I can't give you an, an honest answer about Gregor because I've just not seen enough of him. But I'm more than happy for him to give him a chance because there are some players who are currently in the living every week who shouldn't be in it. I, I, I posed the question on the chat, I don't know if it was last night, Apart from Fash, not definitely. Um, who who in our team gets in any of the teams above us? Mm. Do you know Fair. what I mean? Like who who's getting in these? Maybe teams? Fleming. Yeah, yeah. Fleming's a very good goal at this level, but just not many. I just don't think we've got as good a team as people think we do. Like I know, I know we can. No, be much on on paper at the guiding. start of the season, I thought it looked good. I was quite optimistic for it, but it just hasn't transpired on the actual pitch, and you then have See to wonder why. See there though, right? Like, take, go to the game last night. I think I put this on Twitter, but like their second goal, everybody look at the first and the third because they're individual errors, but their second goal was very, very telling for me. Mm. They had four players in the box plus one on the edge when a cross came in. How often do we get the ball wide and Fash is the only player in the box? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like they moved that, that second goal. They moved the ball so well, yeah. and it was it was a great goal. It was a everything about it from recovering the ball to then quick breakaway 
It's just what we don't do. I but still that, think that's, it's going to be But I know Greg doesn't think that, but even last night, I thought it was three or four times, they didn't necessarily get behind us, but they could stretch us so easily because there's no speed. Yeah. But, hey. but, but again, though, it's, it's, it's coaching. So when we have the ball wide, and Jack actually had two in the second half, I want to say, where he has actually came in and got across the front of his fullback, and he's just failed to connect. Both, I think one he tried to chest when he should have headed it, and one he's just not connected. But that's what Jack should be doing every single time the ball's on the right-hand side. He should be getting out of the back post. But we don't we don't have that ambition. You know, the, the closest we scored, I think Fash had a one-on-one that was saved in the first half, but the closest we came to scoring last night was when their three-foot-one keeper got caught out by a, a long hoik of a cross and he got caught underneath it. Like, we've not created anything last night. We've not created anything. And again, that's... But that... I know I said what I'm going on, but that's coaching. It's it's coaching because these players can produce better than what they're doing. Or can can you look? We can sit and say that the players are maybe not as good as we think they are, right? But let's flip that. Are the players who've come on the park all maximising their current potential? Is I that would happening? say no. And it's like because then then you go further and you're like, why is that? Are they not getting played in a system that suits their style? If that is the case, why are you playing that system? Would you not try and have a different system that suits style or have different players? You look at our second half performances in particular, and we are dire after we come out after the break. What happens at half time? What is said to them? Is it stamina? Are they just not able to go the full 90, which... I fully understand everyone's doing work and it's tiring, you've got midweek games, but so have the other clubs. Is it the substitutions not coming at the right time? Are they complacent? Are they just not... Do, do, do they just give up? Do their heads go down when the goals go in? I, I, I guess I'll bring War in on that. I've gone on, on another <laughs> one before I throw it over to War. <laughs> no, I think it's, it's a combination of all of the above, to be honest with you. Um, I think... The fitness one, I know it's part-time and all the rest of it, but I don't think there should be any excuse for that, really, in this day and age. But um, I think it's fair. I do think we drop deep, but later in games, obviously. But I think sometimes when you drop deep, part of that can be confidence as well. If you've not been on a good run and you've got something to hold on to, it's human nature. Take the Peter Head game, for example. Um, you're winning a game that probably pre-match you wouldn't really necessarily expect to win. Human nature, you're going to drop and you're going to drop and you're going to drop. But that can be also forced upon you by the opposition. Um, but I do, I mean, the main thing for me is I think it's the resistance or the, the slowness to change um, in-game and potentially pre-game as well. I think sometimes we can all see things. Now, we're not paid to be the manager of East Fife Football Club and, and I guess it's a lot easier when you're in the stand. But I think to all of us, we, we can look at situations in games and think, why is that not changed? Or why didn't we have changed now? Or it's maybe quite obvious that somebody's struggling or, or things aren't coming off for them and their head's going down a wee bit. And I think for me, that, that's where frustration comes from as a fan, that you think, come on, let's let's get this changed. And it just seems to take so long. And I know Doug likes to count the number of claps that go on um, from time to time from the manager. But um, if we could change it a bit quicker and, and maybe at times be a bit more, certainly on the front foot or positive at times when, 
when we sometimes look like we're maybe just going like for like. Why? I mean, it's what's the old saying? It's the definition of insanity to continue to do the same thing over and over and expect different outcomes or results. And that it, seems to be it, what we do quite often. It's even simple things like, when was the last time we swapped wingers over and just during the game and went, mm. oh, you know what, Jack, you're you're struggling to cut inside this left back here or right back, whatever. We're going to switch over the side. We're yeah. going to do it down the line and put crosses in the box. Just try it for five. I'm not talking just five minutes. Just go, there you go. Or say, um, look, Jack, we know you're struggling here. We're going to give you 10 minutes against the other fullback. You've got to produce or you're coming off. For, yeah. so, yeah. I, I see that we every don't... fucking week watching the amateur games that I go and watch know, here. Every team. But even like last night, I think we got the guy Hamilton and Shivoni strip. It took about eight minutes to get them on. Yeah. It's like you're 2-0 down. You don't have eight minutes to make a substitution. And it wasn't like, it was like, oh, we can't sub because we've got a throw in our own half. We're fucking 2-0 down. Like, who cares? Trust them to deal with it. It's just... Yeah, there should be more urgency in, with that. An absolute summary for me, you do, a, you do a poll of every single East Fife fan, and I bet you it must be bloody close to 100% who think, as it stands, Greg McDonald should not be the East Fife manager. It, it, yeah. it will absolutely be very close to that. So for the board not to do anything is absolutely mind-blowing. And and it, the people talk about, oh, I can't afford to pay him off. I'm sorry, it's not going to be that much to pay him off for the last four months of his contract. You know, it's not going to, you know, let's say Brogan Walls goes to somewhere for 10 grand. They will just use that and pay him off. They don't have to pay off the full four months either. It's just a few weeks I, under Scott's law. Exactly, so, I mean, it's exactly, not even... Exactly. So that, that excuse is, again, people watch too much premiership stuff and they hear about these managers getting these two million quid payoffs. You'd get about 700 quid. So just... But it's... it's a, For me, it's an arrogance from the board members. It's a, it's a cockiness. It's comments you hear about, you know from people saying oh, you know, we're, we're not surprised by that result maybe everyone else is all that shit you don't need you want everyone going in the same direction and the bottom line is it's just it's not good enough and it's it's getting very close to killing us literally I think I think so, Nuggets you know. I think it's um, misplaced loyalties maybe where I would put it um, and yeah. inverted commas doing the right thing is how I think they must view it by Greg, which, as I made the point earlier, if you're a board of directors of a company, your primary function is to make the best decisions for or in the interests of that company. And in the case of a football club, it's the best decision for East Five Football Club to retain the manager based on the evidence before you, since he's taken over to now, or is it to let him go? And if you genuinely ask that question as a board member of East Fife, you can ask the fans that and you'll get the answer that I think is the correct answer. You ask the board that, I'd be very, very interested. And I genuinely would be to know how anybody could say the answer to that is, yes, you should be in situ and here's why. And I would love the here's why part. I genuinely would. I'm, I'm not having a go. I would just love to know what that reason is because I can't think of I, one single I, I reason. Think if, I think if Greg wasn't a nice guy, he'd have correct. gone. Yeah. And yeah. that's... That, that's that's what I mean by misplaced loyalty and mis misplaced yeah, no, doing the right thing. Your job as a member of a, of a board is not to keep somebody doing anything because you like them and because you think it's maybe not very fair. It's to make the right decision for 
the purpose that you're there to serve, which is the football club, which has been there long before, you know, hopefully they're long after you. Um, and I, you don't want to be... for the fact that it's fans, it's generally, generally everyone on the board is a fan of the club, which is brilliant. And, and as a, a supporter, yeah. that that's great. Even more so, you would think, as a fan watching the game, take off the fact you're wearing a blazer and a tie, surely you're watching it going, this isn't good enough. Well, you certainly, you, know I mean? hear, you certainly hear some shouts along those lines from some of the directors. Yeah, but I, I just... How, how, often, yeah. how often, sorry, Doug, how often has, no. has the team been booed off the pitch this season? Like, it's been a lot. It's been a lot. And that's a telltale sign because usually you, you don't get booed off the pitch a lot. Like, you know what I mean? You have to have a bit of a shocker to, to get booed off the pitch. But there was booze last night. There was booze against Bonnie Rick. There was booze against Dunbar. There was, let me just remember here, because there was booze at another game I can recall. I, I can recall four or five times the team has been booed off the pitch this season. And that's from a dwindling crowd. A crowd that is dropping. So you talk about the financial hole that might start to open up from the dwindling crowd. They're getting restless. They're getting restless. And and, and obviously loyalty comes into it as well. You support your club through thick and thin. I get all that totally. But, you know... It's fucking obvious. It's obvious it's no good enough. And the standards are... It's like the who who do you bring in argument. It's like, it doesn't matter. Yes. Yeah, it's not not our job to find who you bring in. That's why there's a board to do that. Everyone will instantly go, Dick Campbell. Aye, look, fair enough, but maybe that might not happen. But it it doesn't matter. You just go, right, the standard of football's pish. It's crap to watch. We're not going anywhere. Let's get rid of them. And even if it takes us... Three weeks to find a new manager will take three weeks to find it, but but you can't just, I I, I just don't it can't can't go on. I was just going to say it, it, would, it would be good to know what that point of no return for the board is. As it go to Elgin on Saturday and get beat, and then suddenly they're a point behind us with a game in hand, because our next games are Elgin, Stenhouse Muir. Yeah, Bonnie, Bonnie, Rig, Bonnie Rig away. Yeah, it's so and then Stenny at then home, I'm... Bonnie Rig away, Forfar at home, then Spartans yeah. away, Dumbarton at home, Peterhead away. That is so, not so an easy run of fixtures. No. So I would love to know at what point, because when do you kind of say, right, enough's enough if, if you're a decision maker on this? Because it, it just feels like we're getting semi-positive results or positive results in some cases, to be fair, and that's allowing things to bumble along for another couple of weeks and then we'll arch into another wee <laughs> crisis, if you want to call it that, or a few bad results. And, and then and then we get a wee draw someplace and pick up a couple of wins. Oh, I wish we'd pick up a couple of wins, but a couple of points here and there and, and then we just seem to let things trundle on again. And we are not making progress. Um, and it's, it's just hard to take. So it'd be good to know what is the point of no return. Do you, do you not think where we are in the league is actually perfect? Like, this is the perfect time to change a manager. Because yeah. you could bring a new guy in who's not got the immediate, like, you must get results right now or we're fucked. You've actually got a little bit of a cushion to let them, you know, try things or whatever. And, you know, as opposed to going, shit, we're only one point off the bottom. Let's back them and bring someone in. And and like, like Andrew says, it's, you know, is it when we're relegated that you go, oh, yeah, it's not worked out, we'll sack you? Because, yeah, timing is so important. And, again, you know, we've, we've had this transfer window and barring anything that's happened tonight, 
I was just checking to see if there was anything yeah, breaking news. We're, yeah, we've we're, brought in a kid on loan. We've got Scott Young in the car park, just checking. Th- I think that's why he's in the car park. Not 100% sure about that. But he, he's in a car park anyway, checking things out for us. No, the only, the only one we I would, I would have on that is that no one can say the board having to be more than fair. Oh, yeah. In terms of time and opportunities. So if yeah. that's a major concern in their mind or their thinking, then no one can accuse them of not giving them every opportunity, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, and can I also say there was one comment on Facebook yesterday saying about we need a manager with passion and I thought that was very unfair because I think yeah. I think if there's anyone who desperately wants to make his life successful it would definitely be Greg so I don't oh, yeah, think, this is hard I, don't think we can, I don't think we can accuse him of not being passionate and not giving everything he should be but no. I don't think anybody saying he doesn't care or doesn't want it to change it's just not working and that's the bottom line all, all, all that's to be said in it is that he's a really nice guy. He, he obviously cares about the club. He came out swinging, if you like, by coming on the podcast to try and appease fans, if you want to call it that, to try and get them on side. But the stat, the harsh reality is that unless you're happy with a standard of mid to what I think is probably going to be mid to lower end of League Two Scottish football... Unless you're happy with that, it's just not good enough. It's, it's not good enough. And the the players who should be kicking on are not kicking on. The results we should be getting, we're not getting. The consistency we strive for, we're not getting. The style of play, we're no, we've no got. It, it's long, aimless balls to fast over and over and over again. What if fast gets injured, by the way? Does anyone oh, thought of that? Yeah. But, like, but, because... It, I, I, it's not I'm even just, just the long balls to Fash. The distance between Fash, and you saw this last night, the yes. distance between Fash and any player that's behind him is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. But we're not fit. We're not fit because we're dropping deeper and deeper and deeper as the game goes on. Yeah. So like, we're not fit. Fash hit three and three. Can you imagine what he'd be doing in this league with proper service? Proper players around him, giving him the ball where he wants it. Yeah. I, but the thing is, like... We're all saying this. I don't know if any of these five fans thinks this. Maybe they do, maybe they disagree, maybe they think you're miles off. I don't know. But... No, I was just reading some comments and stuff just now while we we're talking, and it's pretty much this. You know, like, we can't all be wrong. Well, that, that, that's the that's the worry, though. And it's like, we'll wrap it up here because I didn't want this to be too, too long. And I know we've kind of gone on a big moan fest in the end. I'll shoot a message to Lee at the end of this just saying sorry and then see what his reaction is. But well, to, to be fair, Michael, I'm sure deep down, if if he takes his, his uh, where he is in the club, he's exactly the same. There's oh, no, pro- yeah. There's he, no he, he's the one that gets the stick, though. I'm safe over here. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe not when I come over in March. We'll see. But <laughs> the the bottom line is, I, I don't know what we've got to play for this season. I hope we don't end up getting drawn into a relegation fight. I mean, we are just four points off second bottom, which then does have you looking over your shoulder. That forfer game kind of looms a little large that's coming up because I, I think they should have beaten us with 10 men a few weeks back. I, I think that was fair. Elgin, for as shit as we keep saying that they are, they keep grinding out results. They came back from one down last night and they came away with a 2-1 win. They'll fancy that. So... Those other games that we're playing, I don't fancy us taking a lot of points 
from those games, to be honest. So in no time, we could be down. Playing devil's advocate, the board may feel Greg's shown that the team can get results with a weakened squad in January. With everyone healthy, he can maybe take it. They might feel that if it wasn't for the three gifts last night, we could have got something from that game. Maybe, maybe we could have. I'm just trying to put another side to it that they might look at. I think that's the wrong way of looking at it, but just that might be how they're looking at it. I think for me, Michael... Sorry, I should, have, I should have said for who to come in there. That was, no, I'll just see who jumps up. I think I think if Greg stayed in the season, we'd stay up. Right? I, I don't think we'd get relegated under Greg this season. But, again, it's that standards thing. So I, I think maybe, maybe the board are going, right, see out his contract to the end of the season and we'll make a change in the summer, you know, and then we'll see how it goes. If we make a sort of late push towards comfortable fifth, then they'll maybe go, yeah, you're our man, we'll give you our contract, which would, as we've discussed, be a bad idea. Yeah. So I, I don't I don't think we'll get it there because I think we'll pick up points. You know, like it wouldn't surprise me if we're going to beat Elgin or get a point or whatever. But like we've said from, you know, it is that standards thing. And and if if that's the standard you set, then that's what you're going to get. I, I want to see a response against Elgin. And by that, I don't just mean a, a point, a win. I want to see different tactics. I want to see different players in that lineup. Because you look at that team from Tuesday, how many of them would, should automatically be on that team sheet for Saturday? Fash, Flem. I think you could argue a case against everyone else. I, I'm not 100% sure why Murdoch's captain, or if he's doing what he needs to be to be captain. But I think everything else is up for grab. We need a response from this team on Saturday. And if we don't get it, I think that's going to be the most telling thing of all. War. Yeah, I think so as well. Um, I think, looking back to yesterday, I do genuinely think, however, that we did start the game relatively well for the mm -hmm. first half hour. Um, and then, I would normally have said, I don't know if then when, when Spartans got a wee, foothold in the game, that confidence maybe would have been a bit of an issue that kind of let them overrun us to an extent. But as we said earlier, we've kind of been on our semi-best form of the season going into the game, so it's a wee bit of an unusual one. Um, but yeah, I would like to see things change in terms of personnel, whether it's personnel shape, tactics, times of substitutions, something. Um, we can't keep doing the same thing over and over. I mean, ideally, of course, we all want to go there. And, and win the game comfortably, but um, there's a lot of pressure on us going into that game. If you're a player, I guess there's arguably could you say there's arguably less pressure in Elgin? Um, maybe not, but I mean there, there is a lot of pressure on us knowing that if if they beat us, we, they're one point behind. They've got a game in hand on us. So um, I think changes needed and a reaction in terms of um, I think the word that's been been talked about a few times is is attitude um, and. It, and we need to see everybody coming out with the right attitude. Uh, take the game to Elgin and hopefully winning it. But yeah, I agree. Reaction. Definitely needed. Any final thoughts from you, Aaron, before we kind of wrap this up? Yeah, I agree with the war there. I think like the Spartans game, the first 35 minutes, we were in that game. We were in it. But again, you've got a side there who are very, very well coached. Like They're one of the only teams I've seen this season who've got an actual style of playing League 2. 
and they just stayed calm. They just stayed calm and they played their game and we tired and we couldn't sustain trying to press them because we weren't fit enough. And then they played around us and as soon as we conceded one, within 10 minutes we conceded two. And you can't, you can't allow that to happen. Um, I think the Elgin game is huge. And I think that's what the problem is here is that as Doug, I think, said, is that we could probably go to Elgin and get a point or, or maybe even nick a win. That could happen. But then that then means, well, there's been a reaction. We've got a result. So therefore, they're playing for the manager. Therefore, he deserves more time. And that's what's happened throughout the year because you play a team who's below you, you get a, you, you get a result. And then all of a sudden it's, oh, this is quite good. This is quite yeah, good. But we're only getting results against those teams that's down below us. That's that's the problem. I, I know I know we beat Dumbarton and we got a point from Peterhead, but in general, these are the only teams we're getting points off. So it, it wouldn't be unexpected to go to Elgin and get something. So it's not necessarily think, the reaction. I think that's where he, Greg has this notion that we play good football because we've we've battered a Stranraer team who are awful and were awful again last weekend. We battered Clyde when they were at their lowest ebb. You know, whoever beat someone else 4 nil as well. That's easy to do when you're on top against a poor, poor team. You can start strutting your stuff. It's the ability to actually play football when you're not playing well and believing in the way you play instead of this panic punt that we, we tend to do. And I think, as Aaron said there, Spartans, I, I didn't think Spartans got out of second gear last night. Like, I think if they needed to, they could up that as well. They looked, it was, it was in the end very comfortable, albeit through some mistakes, but yeah, I I just, mean, they didn't yeah. look world beaters. Didn't it's have like, to be. No, no, that's that's pretty fair as well. I mean, I, you look around and like just looking ahead quickly to, to next season. Whoever's in charge, whatever happens, players-wise or whatever, if Clyde stay up, you feel they'll make a... a a run to get out of that league next year. Whoever comes up, if someone does come up, like it could be breaking. Banks of D have only lost one game all year in the Highland League and would be top if it wasn't for the draws they've got. East Kilbride will be throwing money about if they come up as well. So, I mean, we're in tough for next year as well. I think we can probably write Edinburgh City off if they come down, if they even exist next year, which is, is another thing as well. But, I mean... There's some big decisions need made, and we'll we'll just see if they will get made. Let's wrap it up. It's been a bit of a moan fest. At least we started with the positives. Maybe we should have ended with that. We're going to end with a, a nice song, though, but we'll come to that in a sec. We'll just go around everyone for one last time. Any final thoughts that you want to share or anything funny that caught your eye or just anything to uplift us at the end? Let's start with War. Yeah, thanks. No thinking time. No, I, I don't, can't think of anything. <laughs> I'm so enthused after that last hour or so. Uh, no, nothing for me, thank you. <laughs> uh, Aaron? Um, just the rovers start to come bust a wee bit. That makes me mm. laugh. That makes me happy, which is pretty pathetic because they're probably overachieving, but I still find it funny that they go away to Dundee United and win one now and they get carried away a wee bit, which quite rightly too, to be fair. And they've not kicked on, so aye, fuck them. 
they, they just have to do it in the playoffs. So ultimately, that's that's the thing. It's like if if you can be hot in the right time in the playoffs. Doug, any final thoughts from you? Ah, uh, not really. I think the only positive for me is I fly to Kenya on Sunday, thirty-five degrees. Oh, giraffes and zebras and such like. Nice. That, that's really. Although apparently a lot of mosquitoes. Um, so that's all I've got. That's overly exciting. Are you going for a safari? Or are you going for work? Uh, it's work. Ah. I'm Kenya, Saudi Arabia, and Morocco the next three weeks. So. Jeez. Very exciting. I, I, I'm going over to Vancouver Island next week. Not as exciting. To, to watch the Whitecaps play in the, the CONCACAF Champions League or Champions Cup as it is now. Oh. Because they weren't able to play their game against the Mexican Giants of Tigris in Vancouver because there's a home and garden show on at their stadium. <laughs> and the TV companies said, no, it has to be played that day. And it's like, well, we can. And it's like, well, you have to find somewhere else to play. And there's no other facilities that meet FIFA standards that they could play at. So they're having to go on a fucking ferry ride to play this game. Brilliant. Uh, last thing I'll say, I don't know if any of you have been watching the African Nations Cup. The Ivory Coast story has been fucking mental. They're the hosts and they've been shit. They got humped in their last group game by Equatorial Guinea 4-0. And they sacked their head coach because they were out of the tournament. Except other results meant they sneaked in as the last of the best third place teams. So they didn't have a coach. They've now won the round of six game, 16 game against the defending champions and they're in the quarterfinals. Mental stuff. It's been a great tournament. If you haven't seen it, there's been... The, 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 the last group games, I think it was in Group B. It's like it, things just changed so much. There were stoppage time goals galore that meant folk were top of the group. Then they might not even qualify. And then, oh, it's, it's been a lot of fun. But I was talking to Doug about it. The quality has been somewhat lacking. Yeah, I think I think the the last sixteen lineup, if you compare it to the last time it was played, is like completely different though. Yeah, so well, many more Mauritania were in it. Yeah, but you think about all the teams that are out now. It's uh, it's crazy. Yeah. But on that note, we'll end things. Thank you for listening. Let us know your thoughts as well. Leo, love to get all your thoughts on this on Twitter at Glory Days of Gold or by email, glorydaysofgold at gmail.com. We'll be back with another one soon. Probably not this weekend. I don't know if any of us are going to Elgin, so that's why I brought this one out. But we will be back soon. We're going to end with something a bit more positive. We're going to end with a song from the, the band that do our theme tune. We usually end with their song. Doug, it's your band, Got Got Need, your new single, A Final Day. Tell us a little bit about it. Um, I wouldn't say it's the most uplifting one to end. Um, oh, it's the show. Final day. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Um, no, um, yeah, quite proud of it, to be honest. It's doing, for our level, very well on on Spotify and whatnot. We're pretty close to 5,000 plays of it in the within a couple of weeks, which is which is pretty cool. Uh, I was always likening it to thinking of Bayview's, you know, two and a, two and a half? Aye. Two and a half Bayview's filled with listeners. So now we're... we're oh, we've been getting more listens on the podcast than folk that turned up last night, so I think that's also interesting. Yeah, that's, that is true. That is true. But no, um, yeah, 
Final day by God Got Needs. Listen, download, just share, spread the word of joy. Let's hear it now. We'll be back soon. As always, take care and mon the fife.